Today's reading is taken from Ephesians chapter 5, verses 1 to 10. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and live a life of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. But among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather for thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure, no immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person is an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Let no one deceive you with empty words, for because of such things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Therefore, do not be partners with them. For you were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Live as children of light, for the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. And find out what pleases the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, everyone. My name's Simon, one of the ministers here. And what a privilege to share with you this morning. And wasn't that worship wonderful? I'd much rather have carried on worshiping rather than uh, got up to speak. But hopefully afterwards we can worship again. Let's pray. Tapira just talked about how she wanted to find the good path for her life. And this is what the Lord says, stand at the crossroads and look and ask for the ancient paths. Ask where the good way is and walk in it. And we pray, Lord, that you would help us to walk in your good ways. Amen. When my sons were teenagers at home, they're both grown up and left now, we often had conversations on a Friday night that went a little bit like this. I'm off, Dad, I'll see you later. When are you back, son? Uh, I, I will, I'll be quiet when I come in. Ah. Where are you going? To Sam's. Who is Sam? Oh, a friend from school. Where does Sam live? Oh, Cumna. What do his parents do? Dad! Remember to be good, son. Dad, why do you always say be good? All right, love you, son. Quiet when you come in. I would hear myself having the same conversation that I had with my dad. And 40 years earlier, be good. Whatever did that mean? What was I trying to say in that little zip file? I never actually spelt it out, but it was a sort of shorthand way of saying don't get into trouble, and don't drink too much, and don't get fighting, and don't do drugs, and treat women with respect, and, uh, uh, and show honor to anyone's parents if you're in their house and they're around. All the sort of things that I actually didn't do when I was 18. There's an 11th century Latin phrase that translates as be good, and if you can't be good, be careful. But I didn't want to say to my boys, be careful. I wanted them to be good. But what does good 
actually mean? There's a bizarre moralistic Victorian children's story called Goody Two-Shoes. You'll know the phrase, I wonder if you know its origin. It was actually a, a book, a children's book, in which there was a girl who only had one shoe. And she went around doing good things. And as a result of these good things, earned enough money to buy another shoe. And then eventually married, well, uh, a wealthy chap. And somehow, in this bizarre Victorian um, moralistic novel, they were encouraging us to be good. Actually, the irony is that it's now become a bit of a slur, hasn't it? Goody two-shoes. In modern English usage, good is not a very good word. It's rather beige. Good is okay, it's B plus, it's not bad, but it's not really awesome. Indeed, we often add a word to good to beef it up a bit. We talk about being really good or very good or so good. The American first billionaire J.D. Rockefeller captures the contemporary use. He says, give up the good for the great. But that's not the biblical understanding of good. We've just been singing about the goodness of God. And God's goodness is God's greatness. The first thing I want to talk about this morning is God's goodness as God's gold standard. The Bible says no one is good but God. Goodness is the sum of all God's perfections. We're in this series, Holy Here. And holiness and goodness are inextricably linked. Holiness is God's intrinsic goodness. And goodness is God's extrinsic, outward-facing holiness. Goodness is God's holiness working out. It is holiness at work in the world. And the first time we encounter the word good is when we first encounter God in Scripture, in the first chapter of Scripture, when God creates the universe. And at the end of each day, he sits back and surveys his handiwork, and he says, that is good. Good job, God. Good has to do with life. It has to do with creation. It has to do with God's purposes and his plans coming together. Good is not simply the absence of bad, but it is the active presence of divinity, of the order of God at work. Good is God's design. Good is God's yes. Good is God's imprimatur. Good is God's approval. The Bible teacher Matt Chandler writes, God created the flavors, and he created the colors, and he created it all, and he did it all out of the overflow of his perfection. He created the avocado to have a certain flavor. He created the fillet steak and the tenderloin to have certain flavors. That was God's doing. So every aspect of creation, from the largest galaxy 
to the tiniest burst of flavor in food or drink or seasoning radiates God's goodness. God is good. And all that he does is good. Good is what God does. The tragedy is that Adam and Eve, who were the object, the focus of God's goodness, they were to live in his goodness. They were to be the recipients of his goodness. They listened to a lie. And they believed that somehow God was holding out on them. And they doubted the goodness of God. And they grasped at more. And they chose against God's way. And they opened up Pandora's box. And they let all hell break loose on this earth. And they were expelled from Eden. And yet God followed them into their exile. And throughout all the corridors of history, the goodness of God, as we've just been singing, was chasing after them, wanting to restore them to his goodness. And then all God's goodness takes flesh in Jesus Christ. C.S. Lewis spoke about Jesus. He said he's, he's not safe, but he is good. All God's goodness took flesh in Christ Jesus. What does God's goodness look like? As Stephen spoke last week, what does God's holiness look like? It looks like Jesus. Holiness, goodness, God in the flesh with us, revealing to us what God's holiness and goodness is like. And how good is that? Peter lived with and accompanied Jesus for three years. And he stated at the end about Jesus, he said, Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy, was filled with the spirit and power and he went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed of the devil and God was with him. He went around doing good and healing the oppressed. That's what goodness does. It goes around doing good. It's not a state of being. It's an action. It's a being that is doing. And God's goodness is God doing good to us. And I don't know, maybe you're sat there this morning thinking, well, I'm not so sure God's so good for me. What about this? What about that? Maybe you're facing some sort of disappointment at the moment that you're experiencing it and you're wondering where God is. If you are in any doubt about the goodness of God, just meditate on the bread and wine that we will receive shortly and know that God is for you and God loves you and God gave everything for you and God has good things in store for you. The greatest good, the ultimate healing, the deliverance from the powers of darkness is when Jesus dies for the love of the world, for the sins of the world at Calvary. There's an indie rock singer called Lacey Sturm. I don't know if you ever come across her. She was struggling with severe mental health issues and she decided that the pain was just too much and she was going to end it. She set a time, she set the day, and the day came. 
And hours before, she was about to take her own life. Her grandmother turned up at home and said, you're coming to church with me. She never went to church. Her grandmother had never come and said this before, but she just randomly turned up at that hour, on that day, and said, you're coming to church. Lacey said, okay. She knew what she was gonna do later, but she went to church, not used to going. She said this, her immediate impression wasn't good. She said, I hated the church, and I really hated the preacher. (laughs) Hopefully none of you are feeling like that this morning. She said, but then the preacher said something that took my breath away. He said, there is someone here who is suicidal. And she was poleaxed. God had identified her. God had got her. She said she moved to the back of the church to the back door and a stranger came over with a white beard. It was not me. (laughs) And he said to her, the Lord wants you to know that even though you've never had an earthly father, which was true, that God will be a better father to you than any earthly father could ever be. He knows your pain, and he's seen you cry yourself to sleep at night. He then asked if he could pray for her. She said, sure. And she says this, it was as if the God of the universe showed up right in front of me. And the first thing I realized was God is holy. The second thing I realized was God is good. The third thing I realized was I was neither holy nor good. But it was like God saying, I love you. I know you're tired of the way you've been living and I will make you new if you'll let me. And I said, yes, I want that, please. She went home. She obviously didn't attempt suicide. She said, I woke up the next day and felt such a peace and such a joy that I had never felt before. I knew I was not holy. I knew I was not good. But I knew that God was holy and God was good. And when I said yes to him, she says, he came into my life and turned it around and gave me peace. This is what holiness is like. This is what God's goodness is like. It wants to come to us, to be welcomed into our lives and to transform them. And maybe today, you, maybe there's someone here in a similar place, a similar space to the one that Lacey Stern was in. But maybe it's a very different situation you're finding yourself in. Maybe you're gripped, maybe you're in trouble Maybe you're held by some sort of sin or addiction or mental process that's doing you in. Invite the good father to come and bring his transformation. That's the first thing. I've only got one other point. Because we're going to get to the main thing, which is the Lord's table. Your holiness is someone else's good. Your holiness is for someone else's good.
in our reading, St. Paul talks about imitating God. We've just heard that he is a good God. And then in verse eight of our reading, he says, live as children of the light, holiness. The fruit of light consists in all goodness. And then find out what pleases the Lord. What pleases him is goodness. The Bible often uses a metaphor for God as light. The one who dwells in light, the one with whom there is no shadow or imperfection. God's very first act, his very first speech act is to say, let there be light. Light is the source of life. And we as heavenly children are to experience that light and we're to live in that light. I spoke this week to a member of St. Aldate's who came to faith a couple of years ago and part of our ACT ministry. Told me that he was a crack addict for 30 years and he spent more years of his life inside institutions than out. But he met Jesus in a remarkable way and he now lives to serve others. And a beautiful man, generous man, a giving man. He's back in prison actually this coming week, not for any wrong that he's doing, but he's there as a free man seeking to bring transformation and running a course on addiction and getting free. He didn't know what I was preaching on, but I knew, and I asked him a question because I needed an illustration. I said, <laughs> I said, what is goodness? What is goodness? And this is what he said. It's not causing other people pain. He'd had years of that. Instead, it's bringing people joy. Not causing people pain, bringing people joy. I said, well, how does that happen? Again, he didn't know what I was speaking on. He said, by living in the light and not the darkness. I said, how do you come to the light? He said, the only way is through the cross. Never studied theology, but he knows it as well as any preacher I've met. Bringing joy, not harm to others. Living in the light, not in the darkness. And how do you get there? You can't, he said, I tried doing it on my own and failed. You come through Jesus. And Jesus makes a, those of us who are good for nothing become good for something. The word goodness that Paul uses is agathosune. It's actually a unique word to the Bible. Isn't that cool? They had the idea of good in ancient Greek, but they didn't have this word, goodness. It's our word. And the word goodness has a lot of force with it in its Greek. It is active. It's energetic, it's even aggressive. There is a sense that it moves forward forcibly. It's not sitting there passively being holy. It's an aggressive movement to make a difference in the world. It's not a state of being, it's a life of doing. And goodness works for the good of others. Some of you are old enough to remember Peter Sellers' song, Goodness Gracious Me. Anyone remember that? A few. What about the comedy, Goodness Gracious Me? Remember that? A few more. Goodness Gracious Me. The reality is that when 
we know and experience the goodness of God, it makes me gracious for other people. Jesus said a good person out of the good treasure in their heart brings forth good things. And the good person changes the context they're in. The good person changes the atmosphere. A good person changes the culture. A good person brings something of God into that situation. They radiate something of the Lord and the principles and precepts of the kingdom work out and flow out through them wherever they are. They bring the light of God. And the good God has given us the example of what goodness is in Jesus, our definitive role model. And he's given us his good spirit to work in us and work through us. And he's given us good gifts to equip us. And he's given us the good news that saves us and Good Friday to rescue us and a good book to direct us. We're called to be good. And Paul says, live in all goodness, in all. There are a thousand ways that we can go and do good. Being good means doing good. And God has called you in a unique way to be good, in a unique way. He's put you in a particular place to be there, to be him, to bring his kingdom, and to do good. I finish with this. John Wesley, the founder of Methodism here in Oxford, who preached the gospel but tirelessly worked for the poor and the widow and the orphan and visited the prisons. He said this, do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as ever you can. We're to live in the light and we're to do good. Amen.